Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Mungan and St. Louis Acura, Alden Toyota. Uh, breaking news. I feel like I have to sneeze. And so I might be mid-take. Mm. And I'll have to tune it over to you. All right. That's so fine. I'm going to do it. All right. I think it was just one. Yeah. Sometimes they... they Small one. Yeah. Sometimes my sneezes are like an orgy. You go, oh, look, there are many people here. Right. But I think that was just a... One shooter. Yeah. The old one shooter. Welcome in, friends. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Do you sneeze like that? 314-399-9646? I do. I sneeze loud. I don't know people do you really a loud sneezer? Absolutely. They can't control it. It's like a It's an involuntary... Uh, they say, like, a ridiculous amount of your muscles are activated once you sneeze. Oh, is that right? Maybe yeah. I should just sneeze for the day. I get the same feeling when the text line starts to light up. Ooh, all my muscles good. start to fire You start away. to involuntarily. Yeah. I convulse. Jeremy Rutherford's going to convulse with us at 1045. Uh, he is with us every Monday as the Blues have three of a possible four points early in the season. But what is the status of Pavel Buchnevich? Well, we'll find out what he has to say. And these overtimes in the NHL. Yeah, what's that about? Yeah, what is that about? Did you watch? No. <sighs> I thought you were committing to watching. Right, but Saturday night and Missouri's playing. They're going to take a lot more of my attention um, because they only play, you know, twelve games in the regular season. The Blues play a lot more. Thirteen when you include the SEC championship. Damn right. Fourteen and fifteen when you include the college football playoff. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. Uh, also, the YouTube chat is hot right now, and we want you to get in there. I assume Tiny PP is running things, but uh, I'm not in there at the moment. I'm just I'm just based on pattern of past practice. Tiny PP kind of runs things in the uh, YouTube chat. So get on in and interact with the program. That's what you can do. Since Jeremy Rutherford is with us at 1045, I don't want to undersell the Little Piddles Angry Beaver weekend wrap-up. I bet you covered it all. So I'm anxious to see where you're going, what the lead is, what questions you will have. Audience, feel free to, to, to play along as well in your vehicles that you're gymnasiums, your place of work. Maybe you're working from home, so we're checking two boxes uh, there. Maybe your job is to work out. Uh, Play along with the Little Piddles, Angry Beaver, weekend wrap-up here on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Woot, woot. All right, the Little Piddles. I like you needed me to buy time there, so I I sold it. I appreciate that. What were you doing over there? I was getting some audio ready to go, getting the questions up. Audio daily double. All right, what do we got? Well, Mizzou got the signature win of the Drinkwitz era. He went with Missouri. I think he made the right choice. Yeah, and it really was no doubt. Uh, And it came on the heels of the worst 15 minutes of football all season. Does a turnaround like Missouri's on Saturday further validate the progress the Tigers have made and the progress that Drink has made as a Power 5 head coach to make mid-game adjustments of that level? Does this give you more and more hope for the Tigers' ability to compete? So many questions in one question. Let's go one by one. It's like a Tim sneeze. Uh, I, there's a lot there. A lot of a lot of people around. 
Let's go with the first question. So the first question is, does a turnaround like Missouri's on Saturday further validate the progress the Tigers have made and the progress Drink has made as a Power 5 head coach? So, I wanna, we just had Gabe Yarman on, TMA, brought to you by James Carlton. He's all with us every Monday on TMA, every Friday on Balloon Party, brought to you by James Carlton. CarltonInsurance.net, he's my insurance agent, and I think he should be everybody's insurance agent and the only insurance agent in the world. I hope that doesn't come off too strong. No. I thought Missouri's first quarter against LSU was one of the best quarters of Missouri football I had seen them play in general, which sounds so Mike Greenberg, hey, I'm going to react to the Jets game. Right. And then I thought the first quarter they played against Kentucky was one of the worst first quarters I've seen Missouri play ever in general. Yeah. Which sounds insane. They lost the one where they had the best first quarter. They won the one where they had the worst first quarter. I don't have an explanation. I just know that's what my opinion is. I could not believe what took place the final three quarters in which they outscored Kentucky 38-7. to Because I think Kentucky is a good team. However, as you may recall, on Friday when we had Gabe on, I said, the weird thing about this game is I could see Kentucky winning by a few touchdowns, and I could see Missouri winning by a few touchdowns. I never could have seen the way Missouri won, which is to hold them to seven points over the final three quarters. I mean, they shut them down. They were in their backfield, pressuring the quarterback, shutting down Ray Davis, the running back, and dominating that football game. Absolutely dominating that football game. So much about college football, and it does wind up becoming a bit of a a Nostradamus in, in the sense that it is able to predict the future is not just how you or not just winning or losing, but how you win or lose. And the win against Kansas State wasn't convincing, but it was a great win. The loss against LSU wasn't convincing one way or the other, but it was a tough loss. And I felt like it was kind of more accepted than perhaps it should have been, because I think Missouri really shot itself in the foot on a lot of that stuff. Oh yeah. But the win against Kentucky was convincing. And Kentucky did beat the hell out of Florida earlier in the year. So that make that's the first moment in this season where I go, okay, that tells me that this team may be a really good team mm-hmm. those final three quarters. Because you pair that with the first quarter you saw against LSU and you go, man. Beat anybody. Yeah, that 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 lifts the ceiling. Before the season, I was all over Missouri's win total of six and a half, but it wasn't because I'm like, I think they're going to win 10 or 11 games. I'm just like, I look at the schedule and I think they kind of got five freebies and then they got like four toss ups. So the math tells me I think that number's too low. So this wasn't like I was right all along. What I saw in the final three quarters against Kentucky was truly stunning. And so what it does, Jackson, is this does two things. For the Missouri fan, the oft-tortured Missouri fan, the really almost permanently tortured Missouri fan, if you beat South Carolina, which I do not consider like tapping in a two-foot putt, especially the way South Carolina lost against Florida and how they will respond this Saturday in Columbia West at 2.30, But if you beat South Carolina, you then have a bye week, and then you have a game that I believe will be the CBS 230 game on November 4th in Athens against what most likely will be the undefeated 
Georgia Bulldogs. And how many games in a row have they won? They haven't lost since 2021. Their last loss was to Alabama on December 4th, 2021. Okay, in the SEC championship, and then they... And they beat Michigan, and they and haven't they, lost since. Then they beat Alabama, yeah, right, right, to right. win the national championship. So right. they, they corrected that. And, and CBS has a doubleheader on November 4th, and so my guess is they will put the night game of Alabama-LSU, assuming Alabama keeps winning, mm-hmm. and LSU for the SEC West... And then you have the 2.30 game for Missouri-Georgia for the SEC East, theoretically, because Missouri still would have to play Tennessee and, and Florida. But with that all said, what it does for a Missouri fan is it gives you something you rarely have, and you get to enjoy for a number of days, hope. Yeah. Even if it is still something, what percentage would you give Missouri beating Georgia and Athens at this very moment? 7%. I go 8 to 10%. Gabe Diarman went 12%. Plowhawk went 23%. Surprising. Aggressive. But point being, there's a chance. Yeah. I don't think anybody's considering it likely. So you're free rolling. You're not going, God, this is the game. Right. It's not like it's this not week. 50-50. You know, it's right. not like Blues-Bruins game seven where you're staring out into the abyss where you go, oh, my God, if they don't win this game, you know how much it took just to get to this point, how many years it took to just to get this point. Oh, God, if they lose this, how am I going to handle it? Mm-hmm. So emotionally, it's kind of like Harrison Mevis standing over a 61-yard field goal. Eh, nobody's expecting me to make it. Freeze you up mentally. Right. Secondarily, what does it give for the non-Missouri fan, the casual fan, who doesn't have a football team to cheer for, or you've adopted the Kansas City Chiefs and don't have a college team to cheer for? It makes you pay attention, yep. and maybe you get on board. And you do have local players contributing to Missouri's success. In a major way. And so that does great things for the program. It has ramifications from a recruiting standpoint, in addition to puts you in position to have a year where you could win double-digit games. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't been commonplace since Gary Pinkle left. Hasn't happened since Gary Pinkle left. So the South Carolina game, while expected to be a win for Missouri has incredible importance for what it can lead to over the next couple of weeks because Missouri ascends in the polls, probably a top 15 team by the time they get to Athens, Georgia, against what will probably be a number one team. Georgia's off this week. Then they play Florida and Jacksonville for what used to be called what? Because I can't say it anymore. The world's largest cocktail Yeah, and that's offensive. That's offensive. That's not good. That's not good. That's not good that you said that. And I'll I'll pass that along to management here that you said that. But that's what it's called. And assuming Georgia beats Florida, you have an undefeated Georgia team and a one-loss Missouri team at 2.30 on CBS and what that does for the program if you can hang with them. And here's the thing. I kind of think they can. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of think they can. Yeah, they absolutely can. I think they've already played the best offense in the SEC. I think LSU is the best offense. Right, but they're going to get a little different taste on the other side of the ball. No doubt. Defensively, Georgia is rock solid. And they're, of course, in Athens. And not to mention, Georgia almost ruined their perfect season last year in Columbia. And maybe they say, hey, we're Missouri almost beat Georgia, so. Yeah, right. Perfect season. Right, so maybe that... Georgia's uh, not going to overlook them. Like, they may have overlooked South Carolina early in the year and Auburn. Auburn, yeah. So it does seem like when Georgia wants to pe- play, they do things a little differently that are mean spirited to their opposition. Yeah, but either way, fine. So you lose that. You're seven and two with three winnable games the rest of the way, and I would include Tennessee in there. And so what that does for the program has ramifications beyond this year. So 
That is why what took place Saturday is so significant, what can come this Saturday is. But what happened was shocking, shocking for that game to turn like that, for them to dominate the final three quarters and play like they played in the first quarter. And I think so much uh, of that game is about the fake punt. Fourth and 10, 39-yard line of, of Kentucky, and that was a coaching move. They had spotted Kentucky was vulnerable when they were on the plus side of the field in their uh, film study going into the Kentucky game, and you throw that ball up there, uh, a walk-on punter, a DSMET product, tosses it up, and it's an incredible throw, and leads to a touchdown, and from that point forward, Kentucky was never the same, Missouri was never the same, and they get an absolutely huge win. Gabe DeArmond wrote it this morning on Power Mizzou. I share his opinion. It is the biggest win of Eli Drinkwitz's career at Missouri. I don't know. I don't even know what would be second. I suppose Kansas State, State would have been. Yeah. That was a month ago. Now you got another one. Yep. How about another one in three weeks? How about one that is a signature one in Missouri football history? It would be as cool as it gets. Like that would be everything for this team. And either way, I mean, you got to you got you have to beat Georgia. There's nothing Georgia can do that's like going to put Missouri in a place without beating them. You have to beat Georgia. But now you control your own destiny. Now whatever you do is is the outcome. You know, if you beat Georgia, you've put yourself in first place in the SEC East with and, with beating Tennessee. Yeah. And beating Florida and beating, and beating Arkansas on the table. Yep. And two of those three being at home and one being in Fayetteville, which might be lightly attended. And I'm not sure Sam Pittman will be one of the people in attendance for that particular game on the Friday after Thanksgiving. So with all that said, it's out there. And also with that said, I don't go, okay, South Carolina's a win. No, can't. But as far as what they did on Saturday night and what it can mean, that was stunning. I, I don't recall watching a college football game that turned that drastically from one quarter, the first quarter, to the final three quarters. And maybe there are some examples of it. I feel like these teams in the Georgia, Michigan, in the past Alabama category, because it used to be Missouri was the one of these little upstarts, would, would get out on a small lead like Indiana did on Michigan this week and Vanderbilt did like on Georgia this week, and then they just get blown off the field. Um, this was not one of those. Mm-hmm. This was a team that was dominating both offensively and defensively and special teams, and it totally flipped. So what a response, and it sets the table for homecoming this Saturday, the real one. Brian Kelly thought they'd get two a year, but this is actually the only one. And if you get this one, now you're sitting there at 7-1. and one. You've covered the over total for the wins in the year, which is which is a lovely thing for those who've wagered. And then you get two weeks to go up in the polls and then get a chance to play Georgia on CBS at 2.30. Yeah, it's every, the SEC. Everything you could ask for. Here's a little stat for you, Tim. I'll take statistics. In the first quarter, Kentucky was averaging 9.7 yards per carry. Yeah, and that's usually uh, that's usually high. Yeah, yeah. It's usually a tight. You're not going to win many Power 5 football games giving up almost a first down every time the running back touches it. And then for the final 45 minutes, nothing. He wasn't getting anywhere. They brought pressure. They were creating turnovers. They were dominating offensively, and not from what they've done earlier. It's not Luther Burden 40-yard chunks. Uh, it was good play calling, effective running, and then putting the ball in the end zone. And that is, I mean, what a testament to the coaching staff and all the players to turn it around because the first 15 minutes were as bad as it had been. As bad. I mean, you couldn't have played worse on both sides of the ball. And to turn that around basically right after the fake punt, is is incredible. The season totally changed that moment. You were staring down the abyss of 
do we keep drink for next year and turn it around to let's go beat Georgia and take the SEC East? And that they did it with Luther Burden with three touches and 21 yards and yep. Brady Cook with like, what, 170, give or take, yep. yards? Yep. I mean, to do that against that team in that building on a Saturday night incredibly impressive. Your thoughts are welcome on the topic. 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. YouTube chat is active. Let me see. Tom Summers is in there. Tiny PP. Is that Jeff Kloss or Kloss? I think we decided on Kloss. Uh, Neil Allen, Craig Paquette. Oh, great guy. So you had Neil Allen was acquired for Keith Hernandez. I think the Cardinals won that deal. Some people disagree, but I'm a take Smith. You have Allen Craig. Uh, he was traded for John Lackey, mm-hmm. and then you have Craig Paquette. Yeah, All Neil cool. Allen, Craig Paquette. Yeah, Works former great. TMA fan page moderator. Yeah, and great guy. Yeah, lovely gentleman. Absolutely. Uh, we have more from the Little Piddles Weekend Wrap-Up brought to you by Angry Beaver. We have Jeremy Rutherford at 1045. All of that's still to come on one hour of midday magic that is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What a weekend it was in the world of sports. It's time now for Little Piddle's Weekend Wrap-Up. Presented by the Angry Beaver. Offering free shuttles to and from all Blues home games. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. YouTube. We're on YouTube courtesy of the Air Alliance Team Cameras, YouTube channel at 101 ESPN. Tommy Summers says Mizzou is projected by Brett McMurphy to be playing Miami in the Dukes Mayo Bowl, so should be a good game. Jackson, the show goes full circle if Missouri plays oh, in the yeah. Dukes Mayo Bowl. Yeah, and Shane Beamer this week. <laughs> it's all it's all happening. Yeah, I, I don't care. I don't want to hear anything about bowl projections in early October, wow. mid October. Sounds like you want to fight Tom Summers in the YouTube chat. I just unless it's uh, Tom CF- Summers. Uh, do you want to fight Jackson? I'll see if I can put this fight on. Unless it's a CFP bowl, I don't care. Okay, it's kind of where I'm at. Everything else you got is pretty Missouri meaningless. versus Washington, and then Missouri versus Michigan, and then to send a message, they wear the block M. Yeah, that'd be awesome. God, that would be my wife would be so sweet. Uh, the, what a year it would be to have a 12-team playoff. I mean, what a year. And obviously, it would be great for Missouri in that case, but just across college football because someone's going to get left out, or maybe a couple teams are going to get left out when uh, it's all said and done, and this would be a perfect year to start it, but that's just kind of how it works. In the first segment, not only talk about Missouri and Kentucky, but we also talked about what could be lurking here in a couple of weeks, which is uh, a one-loss Missouri team traveling to an undefeated Georgia team. But just this morning... From Seth Emerson on The Athletic, reports that Brock Bowers, who may be considered a Heisman frontrunner, uh, I think Michael Penix and uh, Washington, well, I know he is the favorite. He's minus 150, actually, after Washington beat Oregon this past Saturday. Uh, but either way, uh, Brock Bowers, the All-American tight end, is dealing with an ankle injury the severity of which remains unknown. George has not announced anything, but multiple sources when the program were not optimistic about Bowers playing at Florida after the bye week. Hmm. Georgia hosts, they don't host, they play Florida and Jacksonville after this week. They have a bye week this week. So something to keep an eye on for November 4th in Athens between the hedges. Uh, Jackson, uh, do you have any other questions for this Little Piddles Angry Beaver weekend wrap-up? Well, I sure do, Tim. Nice. Uh, Jerry Rutherford at 1045. Yeah, well, if Jerry Rutherford talking about the Blues, we're going to talk a little bit about the Blues here. You heard Angry Beaver, uh, the free shuttle to uh, 
Blues games. I think I'm going to go to my first game on Thursday. I want to take my son. Taking on the Coyotes. Can I take my son to the Angry Beaver? Um, I don't know what the rules are on that. I'd say try it. I what's agree. the worst they're going to say? Yeah. You got to put pucks on net. That's right. what I, that's but my career. Worst they say is leave. You know, right. who cares? Uh, so yeah, I would give it a shot. Yeah, but I'm like an HD two celebrity, and right. I don't think they would talk to me that way. Right. Well, you flash in your... part because they wouldn't know who I am. <laughs> right. Well, you flash your your like key card to get in here, and then they'll just know. Right. Um, but the blue note get in the win column and have earned three out of, pos- of possible four points. What have you seen early from the Blues that make you more confident in their abilities compared to last year? Do you have some concerns about their scoring ability going forward? Well, Jackson, two great questions. Uh, and uh, the first is, n- number one, just a brief aside. I like Recom- brief asides. I, well, re- recommended listening and recommended reading. I like to give the listeners recommended listening and recommended reading, and also recommended stars. My recommended star is who? Ella Reese. Wow. You know, not an HD1. <laughs> not an HD1. Talk about a pull out the rug under me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's the name of the game. I guess you did that earlier with the world's largest cocktail party. Right. Whoops. <laughs> uh, but, I, but you're exactly right. <laughs> Secondly, uh, recommended... Uh, listening and recommended reading. Recommended listening. Here's what you got. What Chris Kerber, we were talking to Kerber out in the hallway. Remember, he said, hey, I'm going to do this thing uh, where after the games, I kind of do like a little 20-minute recap. He talks it over with Joey Vitale. This past game from beating the Kraken, uh, they had Steve Ott on, and they kind of break down uh, the goings and comings and comings and goings in the game. And it's a nice little hit. I think it's kind of the move because oh, you point. get up and in St. Louis, your commute's usually not that long. Right. Now, I was listening to this on what yesterday morning on my way to my son's 7 a.m. skate. Uh, but I, you know, it's a nice recap of the game. And then also, obviously, knowledgeable opinions of what mm-hmm. took place. Plus, with the Buchnevich injury, trying to find out what's going on there. And we may be finding out more here in 20 minutes when Jeremy Rutherford joins us. But with that all said, without question... The easiest, biggest difference to observe on the first two games for the Blues is what's going on defensively. And that is, without question, the most important part, from my standpoint anyway, on what this team can be versus what this team was. And you're seeing both the Stars and Kraken just not getting great opportunities for shots, and therefore you have seen them score a combined Two goals. Now I realize the Stars won 2 1, but that was not going to count against the Blues statistically because it took place in the shootout, just like the Blues have only two goals themselves. So, yes, I am concerned offensively. And both uh, Kerber and Vitale were talking about what we will see from the power play, which to date is 0 for 8 on Thursday's game against the Coyotes, and that is just open it up and just put pucks on net because right now what they're doing is not working. And you've, of course, lost some key players in that power play since January 1st to October 16th. It is a much different power play, and who knows what they're going to have with regards to Buchnevich. But they've implemented a new system defensively, and it has paid big dividends. Granted, you're talking only two games, the biggest reason why they have three of the four possible points, however, is Jordan Bennington. Yeah. And he did it in Dallas, and he did it again on Saturday night at Enterprise Center against the Kraken. Um, he has played a role in the biggest role in the fact that the Blues have three of four points. Because really, and I think if we're being honest about things here, and I've watched damn near every minute of both of their games, the Blues are a hell of a lot closer to having zero points through two games than they are four points. 
And Jordan Bennington is the reason why, more than anybody, they have three. But from a big picture standpoint, because Bennington's success is going to come and go. That's just the nature of the beast with a goaltender. Implementing a system and having the players be able to execute it, that is what a coach and a staff tries to do, especially considering where the Blues were last year and the second chance points and the clear looks the opponents would have. And so far, uh, it has not been the case for the Blues opponents. And that's super encouraging. Got to find ways to get goals. And you'll see what they can do on Thursday night when they host the Coyotes right here on 101 ESPN. World-class breakdown right there, Tim. No, it's fun. It's fun to be this talented. The thing about being this talented is, though, you don't work for it. You just show up and do it. Right, right. I I want somebody to make me work. Who's going to challenge me, though? Nobody here. At least nobody on this side of the desk. Right. Who else is over there? Is there somebody under the council? Uh, I haven't looked, but it's probably just me. But I'm... I'm one hell of a man. So you can take that for what it's worth. Go Blue Note. How do you like us now? Kraken? Sorry, Vince Dunn. That goal's not going to count. Not in, this, not in this arena. Not in this barn. Not going to do it. The timing of me enjoying that water. One could say it was, it was the worst possible timing. I think that'd probably be you. <laughs> <laughs> and then others might say it was the best timing because I couldn't talk because I was going to spit out the water like Chevy Chase. And so you just decided you were going to fill the air right there for about 10 seconds with what some would say was complete nonsense. Oh, I disagree. I think that's... It was like you were like having a stroke right here on the air at 25. Yeah, well, there's been a couple instances of those. And... Uh, yeah, I always come out the other side stronger. You know, I'm trying to get to a point where I'm as good as you. And I don't think I'll ever get there. I don't think there. you can. I don't right. think you can. But the pursuit is important. Yeah. Right. You pre- it's like Missouri. Right. Are they going to ever be better than Georgia or Alabama? Unlikely. But maybe one night. Yeah. One night between the hedges. Right. Or hopefully mid-afternoon. Yeah. I would have said that they won't put, they won't, won't, that game's at Death Valley. They won't put that game at night. I thought you told me the game was in Tuscaloosa. Son of a gun. They just played in Tuscaloosa. I don't know what the deal is. God, this is brutal. This is brutal. This is brutal. LSU, Alabama, uh, 2023 will be played at Brian Denny. My apologies. Either way, you want because you were the one who corrected me last week when I I said it was at LSU. I can never keep it straight because I was like, "Oh, Arkansas is about to keep it close with Alabama. They must be playing in Fable." No, Brian Denny. Right. And the fun thing is, this information is right there at your fingertips. Yeah, it can be, but it's it's actually harder in 2023 to get information than ever. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, like getting it's, accurate information. Yes. Yeah, probably. Uh, let's see. Uh, very tiny PP is just tiny PP runs things. You know, who tiny PP is he's Nino Brown, New Jack City, Wesley Snipe, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, he runs things in the YouTube chat. He absolutely does. Go on the YouTube chat, talk it over in there. Jeremy Rutherford's going to talk it over with us at ten forty five. You are listening to Balloon Party on one hundred and one ESPN. And you can watch us on YouTube on the Airlines team cameras. This is presented to you by Mug and Ass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon 
2101 ESPN, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Another 19 minutes. Jeremy Rutherford joining us in a matter of moments. Uh, Jackson, uh, time for one question, and then we'll have Jeremy Rutherford with us. So this is a big doings here. I can't wait to talk it over with JR. Yeah, I I know he kind of busts our bowls a little bit about uh, the timing on this show, but I think we put put him in his place last week. I think he knows... I think he knows to stay away. Yeah. You don't want to mess with us. Yeah. Well, no. we weigh a combined like 300 pounds. Yeah. But just a lot of effort, you know. Yeah. We'll be scrappy. No doubt. Yeah. We're uh, like the little ball of hate. You know who that was in the NHL? No shot. Pat Verbeek. Nice show prep ass. All right. Do we have question three? Sure. Uh, let's talk a little MLB playoffs. Are Aaron Nola and Jordan Montgomery pricing themselves out of being the Cardinal pitching staff next season with the demand and where the demand is coming from, more importantly, for pitchers and these two performances in the playoffs? Does this lower the chances for St. Louis to get either of them? Do you think ball clubs put too much stock in playoff performances the year before a player is a free So agent? many questions. It's so tough. Yeah, this Let's tough. go one by one. Uh, let's start with the last one first. Uh, go. Uh, the last one is, do you think ball clubs put a little bit too much stock in yes, playoff performance? that's why I wanted to make sure I answered that. Yes, okay. I do. I think Dexter Fowler is an example. Mm-hmm. I think Tino Martinez is an example. I realize I'm citing ones that did not work out in St. Louis, but I think in both of those cases, they got more dollars because of what they did in October. Fowler with the Cubs in 16, Martinez with the Yankees in 2001. Right. Um, I think it's a dangerous game to play. I think it goes on in college basketball at the highest level. Random guy with his 15 or 14 seed wins a game. It's cute. He does a wonderful interview because he's so hopped up on dopamine. And some school that's in the Big 12 goes, this is our answer. (laughs) And then he's gone within two years and gets $30 million in a buyout. That's what you wind up seeing happen. To a lesser extent, that's what you have in baseball free agency after a guy has a big October. With that said, I am operating on the general premise that I think it's in the best interest for the Cardinals to not sign Aaron Nola. And I know this sounds like, oh, he's doing contrarian take. It's just how I I just don't think they're Aaron Nola away from winning the World Series or competing for the World Series. And I think Aaron Nola is about to get paid. Jordan Montgomery was going to get paid. Now he's going to get paid even more. You just outdueled Justin Verlander in Houston. Six and a third shutout ball. He's going to get paid even more. I'm sure the Yankees fans are going, what in the hell is this about? The guy that we traded for Harrison Bader, and now he's dueling. But yes, to answer your question, I think it's going to make it much more difficult for the Cardinals. I think it was already going to be difficult because the Red Sox and Yankees are in business. Kim Ng just left the Marlins. Uh, The thought is she might be heading to Boston. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was the GM there. And it, it... in a weird way may benefit the Cardinals that they don't wind up signing Aaron Nola. If that's what winds up happening, who knows? Maybe they're going to go, no, here's a quarter billion dollars. Come pitch for us. But I just don't think that they're there. I think they're in quite a conundrum because the fans want to see them do it to prove that they're committed to winning. But I think it actually might wind up being the wrong move, both short and long term, from a performance on the field standpoint. All right, we got a break. Jeremy Rutherford is joining us on the other side of the break. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you. 11 more minutes of our time, and then it's off. You know, it's off for the day. 
Jackson uh, will be at St. Louis Country Club just uh, flighting uh, four irons is what he's doing from about 11 to 1.30. And then is going to grind on the putting green. That's what he's doing. Uh, Do you say Pete Thamel, Pete Thamel, Pete Thamel? Pete Thamel. I agree with you. And he is now reporting Brock Bowers, who's been talked about as a Heisman Trophy candidate for the Georgia Bulldogs at tight end, is out four to six weeks with his ankle injury that just reported nine minutes ago on the Twitter tweets. So the situation in Georgia, intrigue. That's what the late, great Joe Strauss would say. He would quote tweet it, and then he would hashtag it intrigue. That's what he would do. Certainly. Intriguing. Hater for the kid. He's uh, outstanding. He's a hell of a ball player. Jerry Rutherford is going to join us here at 1050, which I think is about eight minutes earlier than usual. Morning, JR. (laughs) Morning. Hey, if you retweet Pete Thamel, is it you're repeating it? Repeat? I'm going to repeat it. Oh, repeat. I like that. I like that a lot. I got to tell you, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's why he's on. That's why, that's why he's on. on. Yeah. That's why he's on. Gotcha. Hey, uh, JR, uh, I got a question. I, I'm kind of going uh, in inverse order, but considering uh, my ability to manage time, there's a good chance I wouldn't get to it if I didn't ask it. Well, I was listening to Kerber's podcast about uh, his observation on how overtimes now look a little different, where, where teams just kind of skate around with the puck and try to wear everybody out, as opposed to what we used to see with the rushes. And his theory was the league changing, rewarding overtime wins. And that's why you see teams approaching it this way. We certainly saw the Stars doing it on Thursday night in Dallas. And then we saw the Kraken. I think they had the puck for about two straight minutes. I mean, it was it was insane. Uh, and it just seems like it's a different three-on-three than we, we have been used to seeing. What do you think's going on with that? Yeah, it definitely is. And it got to the point uh, Saturday night at Enterprise Center where the fans were booing. Seattle for taking the puck back across the uh, red line, and it's it's obvious what they're doing. I mean, just trying to tire uh, tire out the Blues. Hey, look, you can do it to them too. I get it, but to me, you want three on three overtime to be exciting. That's what it was when it came into the league, and it's not the case anymore. And yeah, it's it's tied into uh, rewarding those overtime wins. But Tim, the correction that I think they could make that would really make it more exciting is don't switch sides, don't have the long change because yeah, you're yeah. getting pinned into your zone. So you know, if you would just stay on that short side. I think we'd have a lot more entertaining hockey. Why did they why did they change it from rewarding those overtime wins to going to what it is now without it? Well, I think uh you know without being in those conversations just my observation is uh they've always the past couple of years I think tried to limit the impact of the, the shootout and uh you know we've seen fewer shootouts the, the past few years it came into the league, you know, Obviously, the novelty of it, people are excited about it, but then you've heard the past few years that people just hate the fact that uh, games are decided by it. So I think they want these games decided in OT. Uh, The great Doug Vaughn, my co-host on TMA, was saying he would just like to see the thing just go on uh, until somebody scores in three and three and takes shootouts. I mean, you might see people pass away on the ice if that were the case from exhaustion. But uh, what what are your thoughts on anything that you would do or like to see done? You certainly just gave one idea with staying on the same sides as you were in the third period. What are your thoughts on anything on overtime? Yeah, I would say stay on the same side. And, you know, I'm not saying that uh, that's going to finish all the games before shootout, but uh, it would probably finish a, a lot more of them. you got fresh guys that can create, that can score goals. And, and the reason, you know, just in case people haven't thought about this or talked about this, the reason you don't see continued five-on-five or even continued three-on-three all night in the regular season, these teams got to get out of there. They're playing 82 games. You know, I can recall flying with the Blues, and, you know, you'd wrap up a game on a – 
Friday night at Enterprise Center, and an hour and a half later, you're on a plane to Vancouver, and you're touching down, you know, four hours later, and the team's going to bed at, you know, 3 o'clock Vancouver time. So, you know, it can get pretty gruesome if you're playing hockey all night. Jeremy Rutherford with us every Monday on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Let's talk about what has taken place so far, and that is three of a possible four points. Uh, I think the, the biggest two takeaways, I guess I could go with three. I mean, Bennington certainly has, has played the biggest role in the Blues getting three points in two games where I think they really could have gotten away and, and not gotten one, but also implementing that defensive system that you wrote about in the offseason and actually being able to execute it to limit teams' second chances and op, uh, optimal angles. And then also the Blues, if you want to look at it from a negative perspective, the power play is at this moment uh, hapless, and offensively there doesn't th- seem to be a whole lot of threats. So if I were to summarize the first two games, that's where I would be. What do you see? Yeah, I think those two for sure. Let's touch on those, and then uh, maybe a little bit of Jordan Bennington too. I think with that defensive system, it's not learning a lot. Basically, uh, you're, you're packing it in and, and, and covering that slot area better than you did last year, and you're keeping teams to the outside. We saw Seattle and even Dallas, where it's a lot of perimeter play. It's a lot of the, the teams uh, skating around the outside trying to find a broken seam or a way that they can weave themselves in and get closer to the net, and you know, thus the results have been pretty good. So it's a lot of blocking shots. We've seen, uh, what, 17 against Dallas, similar number against uh, Seattle. Um, that's what we're looking at right now with this team. And, and Tim, here's my question is, you know, the, the reason it didn't work last year, the defensive system, is because there were – Blues players in the D zone just chasing all over the place. They're going to this wall. They're yeah. chasing this puck. They're trying to flag this guy down. And, and it, it takes you away from everything. It, it can work if, if you're good at it. But if you're not, that's where you're going to get beat with the slot shots, which is what they did. So, so now you're going to block a lot of shots. My thing is, are you overcompensating for what happened last year? Because now are you going to be able to you know, tip passes, pick off passes, get on the transition and feed a Jordan Cairo. So I like what they're doing. They had to do it. It does work when you see like a Jordan Cairo getting a passing lane, break it up, and he's off to the races with Thomas. Uh, we just need to see some of that on occasion or else we're going to watch 82 games of blocking shots. Uh, and then with the power play, they, they just can't get set up at all, Tim. I mean, you can talk about not shooting the puck. They're not even getting into the zone and setting up to be able to take the shot. So 0 for 7 with just two shots on, on goal, it's just not going to that's just not gonna work. The five days in between games two and three, perhaps uh, quite optimal considering Pavel Buchnevich's situation. That was the uh, the other side of Saturday night's win is, is that news. Uh, what is the latest on the Blues and Pavel Buchnevich? Yeah, he did not uh, practice yesterday. The team did practice. He was not on the ice. Uh, Craig, Craig Bruby told reporters afterwards that uh, he was optimistic that Buchnevich felt better than he did after the game on Saturday night. And what uh, I've been told, nothing official yet, uh, so don't take it to the bank yet, but what I've been told is we're looking at a one- to two-week uh, time off for Buchnevich with this injury. Upper body injury, we know that Craig Bruby said the other night it's not head-related, so we're not looking at a concussion. It sure did look like uh, with that cross check by Jamie Alexiak, six foot seven, two hundred what twenty pound Jamie Alexiak, that's a pretty hefty blow that uh, Buchnevich took. You know, are you looking at a shoulder situation, an arm situation? Uh, nonetheless, uh, it looks like he's going to be one to two weeks. Yeah, that is uh, that is rough, and that was a scary, scary moment on uh, on Saturday. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, people were thrilled. Hey, got a win, and that's great. Got a shootout win, nonetheless. But I felt like kind of the lead was, hey, you might not have your best 
all-around player uh, for a, a substantial amount of time. And then that takes a little bit of the, uh, the positive buzz from the win on Saturday night away. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, too. And, and, you know, you hate to say it. I know players hate hearing it about themselves. But, you know, just uh, the number of injuries that Pavel Buchnevich has had, he's been great when he's been on the ice. I think I did the math. It's 138 out of 166 games that uh, he, he's played since he came to St. Louis. So, you know, you're only looking at he's missed 30. But, you know, now you're looking at another injury with Pavel Buchnevich. And even though it doesn't look like he'll be out an extended amount of time, he's still out. One of the Blues' better players. Uh, so that was the the takeaway from that game. As good as it felt for the Blues to win and get three points out of those first uh, two games, uh, Pavel Buchnevich leaving the game definitely was the headline. Jeremy Rutherford with us every Monday here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Uh, Jackson, I've asked all my questions. I know you have a few you want to pepper JR with. I had some, but I lost the sheet that I used for my questions. So no! I, I dropped in the hallway, so I got nothing for you, JR. Except go Blues. Nice. Why does the red light go on when they score a goal? Right? Yeah, I what about that, Jackson? Because like nobody that. can see the puck, and so like we got to oh get like a Why do you do this every week? <laughs> I mean, I don't know when it goes in or not. I saw a goal. I saw somewhere it missed, and I, I would have swore it went in, so I don't know. So you'd like to hold Gary Bettman accountable? Yeah. He, of course, is the commissioner. I'm aware. I'm aware. Look at you. All right. Fair enough. JR, I apologize. I thought Jackson was going to pepper you with some quick hitters. But uh, I forgot. I lost my sheet. I can't believe it. I heard everything. From yeah, him he lost his sheet. Uh, Jr. We'll look forward to talking it over on uh, TMA coming up on Wednesdays and every Monday here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. And uh, follow closely for whatever the Blues say about Pavel Buchnevich and his short-term injury situation with the team. Jeremy Rutherford with us here on 101 ESPN. Thank you, Jr. Thanks, boys. There he is, Jimmy Rutherford with us. Time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrario are up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.